Welcome to I Love Palm Beach. We talk about everything Palm Beach County, Florida has to offer and why you should make it your home. We are a team of real estate professionals who love where we live, and we want to show you why you will love Palm Beach too. You'll learn about our hobbies and our lifestyle stories for fun and amazing things to do. Follow in our search for stories to find the best of. Whether it's a specific food or service, Palm Beach has it all and does it bigger and better. Or follow our local hero stories to discover the amazing people who call Palm Beach home. And now, here's your host, Rebecca Giacoba. Hi everybody, we are here at Bush Wildlife today with Amy Kite, she's the Executive Director of Bush Wildlife. And I'm gonna let her explain what Bush Wildlife does because they do a lot more than people think. Sure, so Bush Wildlife Sanctuary, we actually have a two-fold mission. Uh, first and foremost, we're a wildlife hospital. So we take in sick, injured, and orphaned wild animals, primarily native to the state of Florida, with the goal of rehabilitating and returning to the wild. What we found in those efforts is that about 90% of our patients are affected by humans. So lots of fishing line entanglement, electrocution, hit by cars, kept illegally as pets, attacked by people's pets. And that's really where the second mission of education evolved from. Taking care of the animals on an individual basis really is kind of a humanitarian band-aid on the situation. Education is hopefully more of a long-term cure, teaching people about these animals, how to coexist with them, how to keep us safe, and also how to keep them safe. Um, so with that, being that we've been around since 1983, we've grown from being just in the backyard of our founding director to we're currently on 11 acres. Uh, we saw last year over 5,000 patients come to us and we are open to the public. So we've got permanently impaired animals. People can come visit, about 250 animals, and we're open to the public six days a week. And last year we had about 140,000 visitors who were educated about our, our natural environment and the animals we share it with. Wow, that's quite a number. That's <laughs> amazing. Um, how did it get founded? I know that you said 1983. What kind of happened? There's always a great story <laughs> how these places are founded. So our, our, our founding director, he just always loved animals. And he started um, kind of like anybody who loves animals. You know, people find out that you enjoy them. He was really big into reptiles. So his original thing was he was keeping some snakes and things like that. He'll even joke about um, when he was a child, he'd go find snakes and he'd hide them in his closet because his mom was an interior decorator and there was no dirt allowed in the house. And that was his little rebellion <laughs> was he'd go find snakes and he'd put them in containers or whatever and he'd hold on to them. And through that, as, as he progressed into adulthood, of course, biology and natural sciences were a passion of his. And he started doing little um, like programs and things, just locally, showing people the snakes, teaching them about the turtles. And through that, when someone would find an animal in need, they'd reach out to him and say, okay, well, I've got this. I don't know what to do. I found this baby bird or whatever. And so he and a couple other friends who had similar interests formed. At that time, it was, if I say it earlier, the Animal Rehabilitation Center, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened was they all of a sudden people started trying to drop off cats and dogs and things. And they're like, no, 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 we do wildlife. And so it changed to the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. And then in 1992, when Hurricane Andrew came through, um, it basically wiped everything out. He was down in Miami at the time. 
and everybody kind of went their own ways. You know, people were struggling just to rebuild their own right, lives. Right, I remember that And hurricane. so the, the, the organization, if you will, kind of got handed to him, like, hey, if you want to keep going, go, but we're just got other things. Because it was more of a hobby project. It wasn't really a profession for anybody at that time. So he relocated up to Jupiter Farms, uh, Northern Palm Beach County, and started doing the exact same thing, just working out of his backyard, going into schools, taking animals, and um, then we eventually partnered with the Peter W. Bush Family Foundation and the Loxhatchee River District to acquire the property and build what we currently have now. Well, it is an amazing place. I know Heather's been here many times. I've been here a few times. Um, I like some of the night programs you do in the winter. Oh, the night walks? Yeah, the night walks are They're really cool. They're a great cool. date night. Yeah. That's what I always tell people. I was like, I know it's, it's great for <clears throat> families and stuff. Right. Just, but I think it's such a great date night, especially if you're an animal person. You find out real quick if that person's an animal person or not, <laughs> you know, in the, in the woods at night. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's romantic. I haven't done that. I'll add that to my list then. It's fun. It's, yeah. Well, I had an inn because I could bring a date here that I had the keys to the place to. So oh. I, I, I got to be really, really cool up front. And then they found out the real me. <laughs> okay, so tell us about um, what your new missions are. Any new missions coming up? Do you guys have any goals for the facility? Oh, well, goodness. I mean, there's always, you know, you're just always trying to do better by the animals. And... Um, with that, I mean, when you get rehab animals in finding new ways, we kind of call it renegade medicine, you know, while the animals that come to us don't have owners to advocate for them, we need to be their advocates. So we need to make sure we're practicing the best medicine we can and, and always partnering with different veterinarians, rehab facilities, and making sure we're, we're constantly learning and changing. Um, with that, it's very interesting in the time now that we're dealing with with COVID, you know, education is, is one of the, like I said, the pillars of Bush Wildlife Sanctuary. Um, and normally that's uh, school groups coming here on field trips, camps coming here. And in a time when you can't have that, we're struggling to find a way to continue to get that education out there. Um, being a nonprofit, still find funding for that. So it's, it's become a very interesting, um, for me personally, moral dilemma. You don't want to withhold your education because you want that information out there, but you also want to find a way to monetize it so you can continue to take care of the animals. And so it's, um, I think that's our mission right now. It's just right. like any other nonprofit trying to figure sure. out a way to, to keep going in a really unprecedented time. Yes, the new fundraising ideas is great. We'd love to help with that. Well, thank you. Um, we'll plan an event once we finish the podcast. Love it. Try to get some people in here. So what is probably the most common animal that people bring in? As a whole, birds. Okay. And birds encompasses, of course, a lot. So songbirds, water birds, uh, birds of prey, um, all of those. So that's the most common general topic. If you look at an actual just numbers, the, the one that we got the most as far as one species, um, last year we were, I believe it was just under 500 baby Virginia opossums, or opossums, I should say, majority baby. Oh, and they're just babies and can't find mom and somebody decides well, to uh, reach out to you guys? Possums are the only marsupial in North America. Mm -hmm. So a mom possum can't have a pouch full of up to 13 babies at one time. So heaven forbid if mom gets hit by a car, that's not only one animal injured, that's potentially 14 new patients for us. Wow. Um, and they're more susceptible to getting hit by a car because if you think of what a possum does when they get scared, they don't run. They play dead. 
So when a possum sees a car coming at them, instead of bolting, as a lot of drivers would expect, they just roll over. Okay. And if you're not aware of that, you know, it's... So that's a great thing to make people aware of. <laughs> you see a possum in the road, drive around. <laughs> or stop, give them a chance. You know right. I mean? Possums are basically blind, so they really don't see much of anything. And what a lot of people don't understand also is that when they pass out, it's not a voluntary response. It's a chemical response. Sorry, our radios are always going off around here. Okay. It's the best way to keep everybody safe and know where everybody is when you're dealing with wildlife. So I can turn that down. Um, but yeah, so the possums are, are just interesting like that. So they're definitely a big portion of our um, education is teaching people about like, you know, not having preconceived notions. Possums don't carry rabies, which a lot of people don't know. And so they see it in their yard and it hisses at them. Oh, it has rabies. No, it's just a possum, you know. Um, they're immune to snake venom, which is really, really cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's lots of, of neat things, you know, um, in myths, old wives' tales, whatever you want to say, that, that are really fun to kind of dispel about wildlife. Yes. Give me an example of one. What's your favorite? Oh, gosh. There's a few. You know, if you touch a baby bird, mama's going to smell it. I've heard notes. that many times. Yeah, they can't smell you. You know, they don't. The only bird that we have here that really has a, a good olfactory sense or a good sense of smell is vultures. And it's rare that you're going to come across a vulture, you know, that you can catch. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wouldn't so, try. Right. So that's it. You know, of course, you know, uh, possums have rabies. That's another one. Um, the diamond-shaped head on a snake means that they're venomous. Pretty much every snake can actually flatten its head. Because that's their way of saying, hey, I'm dangerous. You don't want to mess with me. It's almost like a dog growling. You know, right. They, they do that. So, um, so there's quite a few, and those are, those are the really fun ones to, to teach people about. What is the most exotic animal that you've taken in this year? Oh, this, this year? Or you could tell me any time. Knock on wood. This year has been, we haven't had too much off the charts. Um, one of the weirder ones I got in was a moth with a broken wing. So oh, I thought okay. it was a butterfly. <laughs> was very kind and sweet. Yeah. However, their life expectancy is shorter than their healing time. So right. Much we can do to help. And she Aww. wasn't very happy when I said it was a moth. And she kept arguing, and I finally had to get out a book and be like, "Look, see, you know." Um, but we also work very closely with the state wildlife department. So mm. the more exotic animals usually come into us because somebody's keeping them illegally. Okay. And um, for instance, we had a, a Siberian lynx come in which a child, 12-year-old, had traded a dirt bike. What? Yeah, for oh a Siberian lynx. Goodness. And then put it in the family chicken coop. Um, <laughs> this was down south. Chickens? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so that was a, a case where we got something reared in. Um, we've had some lemurs show up before, <gasps> um, a macaque, which is another type of primate. Um, but usually those are things where we're assisting. Sometimes they escape. You know, we've had a serval that had escaped. We've had a quota Monday that had escaped. You know, and if the people have them illegally or, or there's an issue with their housing, they'll come to us, you know, while we work with the state to try to figure out what's proper placement for the animal. So those are always fun for us because they're not something we're used to dealing with. Absolutely. So now we're like, okay, where, where do you put one of these things and how do you make sure it doesn't <laughs> escape? And how do we clean it and what does it eat? And, um, so that always kind of throws us on our, our noggin. Well, I have to ask, did you watch The Tiger King? <laughs> I did. I did. Quarantine got to all of us. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Okay, so as cats, what do you have here? Some Florida Panthers, if we have, I remember? Yeah, we've got uh, two representations of Florida Panthers, probably the best way to put it. We've mm -hmm. never done DNA testing on them. I can 100% tell you the one is a mountain lion because he's from Northern California. Mm -hmm. But panthers, mountain lions, pumas, cougars, they're all the same. Absolutely. It's just where you find them is what mm -hmm. determines their genetics and exactly what they are. So Tamala, he's a true mountain lion. He was rescued from a forest fire in California. And then Micaiah um, most likely is cougar heritage um, just because she was a captive bred cat that was being used for like glamour shots. Ten bucks and you get your picture taken. Wow. You mentioned Tiger King, the cub petting sort of thing. Yeah. So she was being sold illegally into Florida, and her and her brother, who has since passed away, were confiscated at the uh, International Airport here. So, um, yeah, we got those, and then we have our bobcats, which bobcats are way, way, way more common in Palm Beach County. Okay, and they're smaller they're smaller, yeah. They're about 25, 30 pounds, whereas the cougars slash panthers we have are about 80 to 100. Okay. Bobcats are so cute. The They're bobcats so cute. The bobcats. But I have to say, there was a, a comment that was made on Tiger King, and it said something about, like, you know, bobcats are the most wicked of all cats. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. They're very interesting. They're wonderful. But you can literally see in their eyes a switch. Yeah, it's they're like, like oh, I'm they tired are... of this now. So. Yes. It's amazing. and you can, But it's a physical, like... I'm looking at a cat I know. Oh, well, I'm not looking at a cat I know. <laughs> you know, it's it's really quite fascinating to watch. Ah, that's interesting to know. Yes. <laughs> so don't say, come here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, we, we have some that we've used for education, and uh -huh. we would travel with them. We would travel a lot with Jack Hanna before he retired, and Julius uh -huh. Gardena. Uh, we would travel with the Bobcats, and you'd make it, you know, 98% of the trip, and you'd be just fine. Then all of a sudden, you'd be like, oh, he's eyeballing that phone charger or the phone cord or the curling iron. It's usually something that looks fun. And then you see their natural predator instincts kick in. And it's, you can't get them out of it. It's just something they do. And then when they're done, they're done. And that's it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. But for those few minutes, you're like, okay, I have a wild cat in a hotel room. This is not going to end well. Um, <laughs> well, they're not domesticated. So, yeah. and they're, they're not. And that's, yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that because everybody will always ask us, you know, oh, are they tame? And my response is they're tolerant. You can't take the wild out of them. Right. They'll tolerate based on their own training or their own personality. But no, they're not tame. You can't ever completely predict what's going to go on. So definitely some make better educational ambassadors than others. So what do you think people come here for? What is the favorite thing that they want to see? And I have an idea what it might be, but... It varies. Okay. And it's funny because that's an issue. I've never actually been asked that question. Okay. Um, I would say it varies. You have your cat people mm -hmm. who just absolutely love, love, love cats. I think cat people are their own breed of people. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there's a raised hand. I, I, I told you when I met you out there, I'm like, I get to sit and look at the bobcats. Roll over. I always wanted to go pet the belly. They're just such big mammals to us. I think that's the the intrigue. But my other favorite, I I do come here and just sit and stare at the otter. Charlie. I love the otter. Uh, the uh, otters are absolutely uh, adorable. The otters are fantastic. Otters, by far, give out more stitches than any other animal. And people are usually surprised to hear that yeah, because what? they lure you in with their cuteness, and they're basically piranhas in fur. <laughs> they're awful. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> no, you're breaking my heart. No, no, no. I mean, they love Charlie. There's no doubt, and I love watching them as well. 
they will cause more damage than wow. I, I I would feel more comfortable not that we do this but I would feel more comfortable walking with my bears than I would walking in with an otter we had some otters in a lake where I used to live and I'd be out walking the dog and the otter would look at the dog and the dog would look at the otter <laughs> and they did put some warnings out in my community that the otters can be aggressive with your pets if they don't like it wow. so generally in the wild they'll leave you as long as you don't corner them right however otters foxes um your canine family your coyotes even are, are more prevalent here mm-hmm. in florida um if they've got a nest nearby or a den nearby they're going to protect it you know that's mm-hmm. just in their nature just like if you have a dog in your yard they're going to protect what they believe is their territory and right. as long as you respect that and you recognize they're there and kind of like, okay, you're over there. We're going to go this way. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're away from them, you're generally going to do good. Um, we really don't get too many interactions as far as, you know, people always call and they're worried that their animal's going to get attacked by the wildlife. What we see probably 10 to 1 is their animal actually attacking the wildlife. Got it. It's way more prevalent. Um, you know, baby birds getting attacked by cat, bunnies getting attacked by dogs. It's it's much more of that. You do have those rarities where it's the other way around, um, but it's it's way skewed ratio. Um, you mentioned coyotes. I think people don't realize we have coyotes here in Florida. Oh yeah. And they're pretty large numbers, and I hear they go on the beach and dig up the sea turtle nests. Uh, I'm not a sea turtle expert, so I hate to comment something I don't okay. know 100% about, but we have fished coyotes out of the intercoastal before, and okay. there's been sightings and stuff on the beach. Um, so yeah, they're, they're here, there's no doubt about that, and they're very opportunistic, so it would not surprise me that they were digging up any kind of nest they can find. Right. On the but, beach? Yeah, that's one of yeah. the big reasons for problems with the yeah. nests, yeah. But, um, what was I going to say? They're resourceful. That's one thing. I can't blame any of the wildlife that becomes resourceful. They're beautiful, too. You know? They are oh, beautiful. Gosh, that tail. Oh, they're gorgeous. Yeah. And, and again, they really, they're shy. They're, they're naturally a shy animal. They do not want to, to be around people, mess with people. Um, it's rare that you'll hear, a, like, you know, a, a coyote attack. Um, and generally, there's an X-line factor, whether somebody's feeding it or they're getting too close to the den or mm. something of that nature. Uh, you don't hear them howl. I think the myth is that coyotes howl in the night, and I never hear that If anywhere. you get a pack of them together, because you can hear it in the farms. I have okay. the farms, and you can every so often. Um, it's, I definitely have more bobcat sightings than I have coyote sightings, though. Okay. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, All bobcats right. Are, are very prevalent everywhere. I have not seen one in a while. I just haven't been in the right place then. My mom, my mom really wants to see one. She keeps going to Wakota Hatchie and Waxahachie area, but she hasn't uh, seen one in a while. It's just hit her. So go to the farms, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Go to the farms. Okay. Um, the other thing is, is if you think about even people's domestic cats. You know, if you go to mm-hmm. a friend's house, in in majority, I and mean, we always talk about <clears> those cats that act like dogs, but a lot of cats are going to hide until they feel comfortable and get to know you. Bobcats are no different. They don't want anything to do with anybody. Um, so they tend to hide, they tend to be more elusive. So what a lot of we get is people who send us pictures or videos from like their doorbell systems, their video doorbells, and they want us to identify, do I have a panther? And I'm like, no, <laughs> You know, everybody has a panther, and then if the neighbor's black cat happens to walk, oh, that a black panther, like genetically impossible. No. <laughs> I'm like, do you see it standing next to that 12-inch tall plant, and, it, and it's taller than the cat? Yeah, it's not a panther. 
sorry to burst your, your bubble there, you know, but... So what is it that you guys need now that you're going, you know, we're all going through this. Money. Money, (laughs) absolutely. Um, I mean, Um, I have a kid who is going to have time now, and I don't know if volunteers help. um, Definitely. Um, So volunteers are definitely a help. We just started um, May coming into June. I know we're into July now, but kind of phasing our volunteers back in. Um, because we're just trying to keep everybody safe. And as things keep changing, we keep kind of changing as well. So definitely volunteers. And what age? Um, our volunteers are from 15 and up for our adult program. Okay. We also have youth programs. Um, everything from our mini junior naturals. And these are actually paid programs for the kids. They do help volunteering some, but they do different things, arts and crafts and things like that. So there's some supplies involved. So the minis are five to eight year olds. And then our juniors are nine to 14. And then our actual adult volunteer program is 15 years and older. And at that point, they can get hours for school as well. Um, you know, we'll sign off on everything for that. And basically, our volunteers in the adult program do the same thing the staff does. They help with cleaning the enclosures, preparing the diets. Um, and it really depends on what they want to do. They help education if they enjoy the public speaking and things. Um, horticulture, working in our welcome center, which doubles our gift shop area. So there's all sorts of stuff. Um, Amazon Smile is another one. Uh, Patreon, we just started, like I was saying before. I'm familiar with Patreon. We have it on our podcast. Awesome. Um, We just launched it last week, so we're we're still learning it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's something else where we're trying to find a way to still offer our education, but help to monetize it as Mm -hmm. a donation. And so what we've been adding there is a lot of behind-the-scenes things. Mm -hmm. So supporting that way, which um, in most cases is a small donation on a monthly basis rather than, than looking for a large sum at one point. Um, we have our wish list on our website, bushwildlife.org. Um, so anything on our wish list, cleaning supplies, dog food, bird seed, um, bowls, all sorts of stuff, laundry, any of the cleaning stuff, the laundry mm-hmm. detergent, the dishes. Um, I mean, right now we have about 250 permanent animals and I think 199 in our hospital mm-hmm. at the moment. That's a huge so amount of animals. The amount of laundry and dishes, you know, that never, ever, ever Ever <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like my house with three teenage boys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How many staff do you have here? We have 24 staff, 22 full-time, two part-time. Wow. And then our volunteers really range, usually anywhere between 60 and 100 volunteers. And that kind of depends on season, of course, school being in, school mm-hmm. being out, things like that. Wow, that's a huge amount of people. All right, so we will definitely check out your wish list. And before we go... You have a bear here. Everybody wants to hear about the bears. Yep. <laughs> we have sisters, uh, Kiona and Taya. Okay, I remember um, them. They are the second laziest exhibit we have here. <laughs> possums are by far the laziest. Possums, if, if possums have the choice, they'll get up for 10 minutes a day and eat, and that's it. That's all they want to do. Uh, the bears get up for about 20 minutes and eat, and that's about all they want to do. Um, we actually had to divide their feedings into three times just to actually get them to move. <laughs> um, but we have our, our two Florida black bears that are here. Um, they are here because their mom, unfortunately, the state deemed her a, a multiple offender, um, meaning she had been relocated multiple times mm-hmm. because she was getting into neighborhoods. Um, she had kind of learned how to really thrive in an urban environment. And the state finally said, you know, she's a real danger. But at the time, she had the cubs. And they reached out to us, and they said, unfortunately, for public safety reasons, mom's going to have to be euthanized. 
do you want the Cubs? You have four hours to come get them if you do. And they were up in a pop car by Orlando. So that was like a two-hour drive already. And it was like, oh, we'd like theirs someday. And so we made a few phone calls to a few donors. And we're like, y'all want to see bears? You want to donate to bears? (laughs) And luckily at that time, which is over a decade ago now, Palm Beach Zoo had just built their new bear habitat for Lewis and Clark, Mm -hmm. their bears. And they hadn't torn their old one down yet. So we were very lucky that they offered to put up our kids <laughs> while Aww. we did a capital campaign and built the new enclosure for them. So wow. it, it was one of those magical times when everything kind of came together at the right. right moment, and we were able to offer the bears somewhere to go. Well, that's wonderful. Well, we would love to get involved and help. Wonderful. And like I said, we'll bring a group out and do some education, like you said. But thank you so much. This is one of the most fun podcasts we've done oh, in a while good. thank you i love it and thank you for having us we will hope to see you soon thank you thank you for listening to this week's show and we hope you visit again next week please share with your friends and we look forward to showing you around our amazing city soon visit giarealty.com that's g-i-a-r-e-a-l-t-y team.com or you can call us at 561 Two zero three four six six one.